Merci, Pasteur. Bonjour tout le monde. Je suis très content d'être ici avec vous. C'est mon plaisir d'être ici encore. Oh, wait a minute. I have to speak in French this morning. All right. Praise God. You know, I grew up in, uh, in northwest Louisiana, which ain't too far from here, so hopefully y'all can understand my native dialect. Hopefully I can, I can just preach normal. You know, when I'm in England, I got to use Queen's English, and uh, so I love being back in the south because I can just talk normal, and y'all understand me. Amen. Now, before we get going, I know sometimes when you have a guest minister, you get a little concerned. You think they might go too long. You might miss, you know, the, the, the buffet or something like that, but Pastor Stephen set me straight. He said, well, I can't go a minute over two o'clock, so I'm all right. So, no, I was a children's pastor. That was my first, uh, first ministry position was children's ministry. We got one guy, I still remember. I love this guy, and he could teach. Man, he could teach, but my Lord, when he came. Oh, this guy, would he would go until two. And I was thinking, Jesus, are you going to feed the 4,000 again? I mean, can you send us some multiplied loaves or something? My Lord have mercy. But I love the guy. He's a precious guy. But no, I don't, I don't go that long because, uh, like I said, I was in children's ministry a long time. And uh, so anyway, I loved it. Uh, I know, you know, I'm a Rhema graduate. And there at Rhema, um, I went through the children's group when I went to Bible school. That's where I, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself for those of you that don't know, uh, that weren't here the last time. I want to say it was even longer than that ago. I think it was like maybe seven years ago. Um, we've been here. This is my third time here with you guys, but uh, I was born and raised in North Louisiana. had an encounter with God when I was 17 years old. I wound up going to Rhema, going to Bible school, met my wife there. And while I was there, I'll never forget, I went through the children's group. Um, and uh, so uh, Mrs. Hagen, uh, Pastor, Pastor uh, Kenneth uh, Wayne Hagen's uh, uh, wife, was, did a lot of our uh, children's ministry instruction. And uh, so she said, they, hard, they started having a hard time during their, their seminars. I ju they just had a winter Bible seminar, and I was just there last week. And so during their seminars, they had a hard time getting children's workers. And so finally, Mrs. Hagen, her and her, her, her daughter, Denise, took over the children's ministry around this time. And uh, they said, why are we having such a hard time getting people to work, especially with the younger ages? And when, so they went back there and worked in there. And they found out because they were going so long that the people were like, I mean, these kids, you got to think, 9, 10 o'clock at night, 1030 at night. And so finally, she made, Mrs. Hagen took all of their pastoral staff and she made all of them work in the nursery. Um, during these meetings, and that kind of cut down on it, on the, the amount of time that the preachers would preach. And then uh, they finally came out with a thing. We said, 9.30, I don't care if Jesus has appeared in the flesh, you come get your kids. <laughs> the service can go on. Y'all can go as long as you want to, but at 9.30, they cut it off. And uh, sure enough, there'll be a thing on the screen, come get your kids. <laughs> They'll start putting your name up there. If you don't, if you don't come, Stephen and Kelly were, come get your kids. You know, I got a word from God for you. Come get your your kids. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so we won't go along this morning. Uh, so I met my lovely wife at, uh, at Rama. Um, we began, we stepped out in ministry. I've been in ministry 25 years now. We stepped out as children's pastors first. Um, we were children's pastors. We were um, uh, pastors. Uh, we pastored a church down in um, Gulf Shores, Alabama. While we were down there, we received a word. Uh, we knew for a long time that we were, we, we would probably, we would be missionaries, um, but we didn't know exactly when. Every time we tried to step out into the into that direction, God would say, not yet. Now's not the time. Not yet. And uh, so finally in 2011, we began to hear as we prayed, now's the time. Now's the time. And we thought, now's the time for what? Because <laughs> we were pastoring at the time. We were loving it. I lived on the beach. I mean, I was, I was like from here to the parking lot from the beach. I had a tan on my feet. I spent so much time outside. I had grown my hair out. I had more hair. I had grown my hair out. looked like a beach pastor. Man, I was loving it. I was preaching flip-flops on Wednesday nights. It was awesome. Having a great time down there, you know, living the dream. And then God said, now's the time. And so finally we started praying, now's the time for what? <laughs> 
You know, after about six months of everywhere you go, you hear, now's the time. People walk up to you in Walmart. I just heard the Lord say, now's the time. Well, thank you. To, for what? To check out? I mean, are y'all closing? So finally we prayed and said, Lord, now's the time for what? And he said, now's the time for missions. And so we said, okay, where do we go? And he said, we had a supernatural word uh, um, during a, a, actually a time of, uh, my wife was on a prayer line with a bunch of other uh, redneck ministers, and they were, pre they were praying, and somebody was praying in French, and she heard a tongue in French. She heard les anglais de les français. And so she wrote that down, and when she did, all of these other French phrases started coming, and she, she, she wrote them down and translated them, and called me. I was at work at, at the time, and I said, well, that's kind of weird. Don't tell anybody about that. And so she translated it, and, and it was there. It was some very specific things. It was a very specific word for us. We were to go from the English to the French. And so shortly thereafter, three days later, a guy that uh, I had actually talked with years before about going to England to work with him and to be his children's pastor called me back. I said, well, it's kind of ironic that you would call right now. I just got a word to go from the English to the French. And he said, well, let's go. So we immediately stepped out and uh, began traveling as missionaries. 10 years ago now. It was 10 years ago. Uh, Winter Bible Seminar 10 years ago was our first, uh, kind of one of our first stops as we began to travel. Uh, the first time we came through here, we were in a motor home. Um, uh, you had uh, Pastor Jake and Heidi were here, didn't know us from Adam. I had been to their father, uh, or to Jake's father-in-law's church, uh, Heidi's dad down there, and visited him. And he said, hey, you got to stop through and see my, my daughter and my son-in-law. So we stopped through and just had a real good connection with Jake and Heidi, and uh, we, we wound up coming back and doing a soul winning seminar for them. And, and uh, I've, like I said, this is my third time here. I think my wife was here uh, just before you guys took over, just before they transitioned. <clears throat> she was here with my youngest son. So anyway, so we started going to England. Um, we were there for five years, and then we, the Lord transitioned us to France. We knew that France was the ultimate destination, or not the ultimate, but for this, for this phase. Uh, so we, uh, after five years in England, we began to take steps into France. And now, a lot of times as a European missionary, a lot of Americans, we have a hard time understanding the need for missions in Europe, because this is where the gospel came. Uh, I, you know, I, I, as growing up, I always knew that my family, the Sallies, were of French descent. I knew that we had come from France, and I knew that we had actually come from France to England and England to America, but I didn't know why. And so I finally reconnected with a cousin of mine. It was, it was her father and my uncle that had done the research. And so I asked, you know, where, do you know where we were from? She said, no, the only thing I know is we were Huguenots. And I thought, that's very interesting. If you know anything about the history of France, the Huguenots were the Protestants. The Protestant Reformation started with, well, actually started before Luther, but Luther is really when it exploded during, uh, during Martin Luther <clears throat> during that time, and it spread throughout all of France. Some countries embraced it and received it well, and their countries changed. Other countries like France did not. France was, uh, was controlled by Catholicism. The kings in, in olden times used the Catholic Church to control the people. Um, so it was a very, very negative, uh, negative thing. Um, and so... So my family, the Sallies, uh, embraced the Protestant Reformation, embraced those things, but the persecution was so terrible. If you've ever read Fox's books, a Book of Martyrs, I would encourage you to read that book. You can find it. It's written a long time ago. It's for free. You can download it online. Fox's Book of Martyrs, when he talks about from the very beginning, from Stephen on, he, he chronicles over centuries of, of persecutions. Some of the absolute worst and, and most horrific things that happened happened during this time during this, this persecution between uh, the Catholics and the Protestants. And so my family fled that, and they went to England, and then from England they came to America. When I found that out, I thought, how cool is that? That's the exact route God sent me back. He sent my family, the Sallies, back to, to England first, and then from England he sent us on to France. And so, so here we are, again, why Europe? A lot of people don't understand this, don't know. Europe 
you've heard the you've heard the phrase before. We're only one generation away from being a godless society. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Buy a plane ticket, go to Europe, anywhere in Europe, and you'll see it. It happened. Really, it happened during it happened began before then, but really during World War II. Uh, people thought they blamed God because Hitler said he was doing this stuff in the name of God, and people prayed and stuff didn't happen, and they just blamed God and they just tossed God out. And, and so now you have a godless society. Uh, throughout all of Europe, uh, the average is, uh, if I remember right, is about 3% Christian. So that means 97% of all Europeans are going straight to hell. Now, we have a hard time fathoming that. We have a hard time understanding that because of our context. You know, me growing up in the South, uh, growing up, uh, you know, in a town like this, <clears throat> we have a hard time understanding that. Uh, in France, in particular, France is one of the lower uh, uh, nations uh, as far as, you know, uh, percentage of Christians with less than 1%. Now, thank God the gospel's been increasing, and we've seen that those numbers are growing and people are getting saved. But when we began to look at France and going, going into France, we began to say, okay, Lord, where do you want us and what do you want us to do? There's lots of work to be done, but what do you want me to do? What's my part? <clears throat> and so the, uh, what, what really began to stick out to us when you look at percentages, you look at things going on in Europe and particularly in France, was the, the fact that most missionaries in France, they go to Paris, Nice, or Marseille. They go to the big cities. And so we began to look at towns like Camden. We began to look at towns like Menden, Louisiana, where I went to high school. We began to look at towns like this and go, well, there's no churches there. Who's going there? And we began to say, that's where we want to go. We, we want to go to those places where there's no church at all. And, and so they tell us that uh, there's a, a group of, uh, an association of churches in, uh, in France called the CNEF. And that's an acronym. I don't remember what it stands for, but it's called the CNEF, C-N-E-F. All right, there you go. Um, you can Google it and find out what, the, what it stands for. I don't, I don't forgot. But anyway, they did a report and they said there's 36,000 towns and villages throughout France. That's from anything from, you know, just a stop in the road all the way to Paris. There's all of those. There's 36,000 towns and villages throughout France. Only 3,000 of those 36,000 have any church at all. Any church at all. I mean, any church. I'm not talking about a good, you know, uh, word-preaching, Bible-believing, tongue-talking church like this. I'm talking any church at all. I'm talking Protestant, any, anything. The Catholics, even, in most of these towns, they may, they may have a Catholic uh, priest that rides a circuit that goes once a month, he'll come to a town. Like Camden might have a, a town this size might have a, uh, what is it, six, is it 60,000 or am I thinking low? What's, what's the population of Camden? 12,000, okay. I've seen a bunch of signs yesterday. I'm forgetting which one. All right, 12,000 people. You, Camden might have a Catholic chapel and might have service every other, every other Sunday or something like that. Might have a mass every other Sunday. But there'd be nothing else. The way to describe it to, to us as Americans is think about Starbucks. Um, I'm not promoting Starbucks, but just think about them. Starbucks goes to where the most people are. Does that make sense? You can drive from, I know in, I know in Louisiana, I can, drive from, um, I can drive from Shreveport all the way to Lake Charles. If you go I-49, there'll be Starbucks. If you get off of 49 and you go, I think it's 71 or one of these, it's a four-lane highway, there won't be a Starbucks from Shreveport to Lake Charles. Because, so this whole swath, this whole western Louisiana won't have a Starbucks. That's kind of what churches are like in France. In the, in the bigger cities, you might have one where we are, uh, our, in our postcode, there's uh, 42,000 people. In, our, in the town itself of Duvain, where we live, uh, there's about 7,000 people. 
But um, there's not a church, uh, there wasn't a church before we got there, from <laughs> about 25 minutes north or 25 minutes south. There's, there's other bigger towns that are about 40 to 60,000, and they've got two or three. Um, and, uh, and then Geneva, across the border, is about 30 minutes from us, and they've got several more churches. Because really, Switzerland embraced Protestant. Uh, that's where Calvin grew. A lot of the, the early uh, kind of founding fathers of, of Protestant, the Protestant Reformation were there in Switzerland. And it's a totally you know, different, uh, different uh, dynamic. But anyway, so that's where our heart began to go. And we said, all right, what can we do? What can we do here, Lord? What can we do? And so we began to, uh, to look when we first arrived in France back in 17, uh, look for a group of people who wanted to start a church that we could work with to help start a church. Uh, and so we could learn about church planting in France. Because at the time, we'd been in ministry for 20 years. We'd pastored. We'd been children's pastors. We'd led a Bible school in, Fr in England. We'd done a lot of ministry, but we'd never done anything in, in, in France yet. And so we, that's what we've been doing the last four years is, is working to kind of change those statistics. Amen? Now, there's one less village uh, that, has, that doesn't have a church. Praise God. We've seen, and I, I, I'll, I'm going to say it in this video. We've got a little uh, partner update video. So what I'm trying to do right now is kind of lead you up to this video that uh, shares about the last couple of years. But we've seen a change. Praise God. But I understand as a missionary, I couldn't go and do what I do without churches like this and people like you that help us. Amen. So let's roll that video if you would, and then I'll come back and talk a little more. Bonjour à tous. Hey, how y'all doing? Yes. Look at there. We can speak three languages. <laughs> English, redneck, and French. Right. We're still working on the third one. So. Yeah, I'm pretty good at redneck already. <laughs> well, we wanted to bring to you just an update from 2021 and, and what your contributions and prayers have gone toward this past year and, and then what God has been speaking to us for this upcoming year as well. Yeah, so 2021, uh, we were very excited to be able to work with another, an online Bible school to yes. present Simplify Soul Winning again. So that was great. That was Even Midst of insanity, yeah, to be yeah. able to harvest harvesters. Yeah. Uh, another thing we were able to do is move our stateside base from Dothan, Alabama, up to Springfield, Missouri. So very grateful for the the team that stepped in up there to help us yes. facilitate that. Yeah, hard to leave Dothan, but yeah, we're, very hard. We're but... very grateful, um, not only to to Pastor Bobby and Cornerstone Church and all the years that they've sown into our ministry, but then also for the ones, yeah, that stepped up there in Springfield. Yeah. So nothing really changes on your end, other than if you give <laughs> if you give by check, uh, there'll be a new address and so. So just check your latest newsletter for that. On our end, nothing really, nothing has changed. Uh, also, our church here in France was able to find a better meeting facility um, to, to, to meet in for Sunday morning services. Uh, we're still believing God to be able to find yeah. a place we can have permanently because we're just renting this one week by week. Um, and then uh, last but certainly not least, most excited, we're able to work with another group of uh, local believers here in our town uh, to participate in a global uh, evangelism effort called The Turning. Yeah. Uh, we were very excited to see, um, uh, to be able to, the unity, you know, working together with another group of believers, but then also to see uh, the change that, that's happened here in our in our city Definitely. over the last four years. We kind of yeah. call it a spiritual climate change. Yeah. Uh, we've seen that, that <laughs> it wasn't like that when we first got here four years ago, but people were open to the gospel and much more receptive than they were when we first arrived. Yeah. And on that note, just of, of change, we really began to sense at the end of this last year that there was change on the horizon for us and transition coming. So we began to pray into that for 2021 and at the end of 2021 and into 2022. And some of the things the Lord spoke to us during that season were really, one was to surrender 
to abandon um, our thoughts and our plans. And then the second was to reclaim. And we really felt like he was saying to reclaim some of those things um, that, that do belong to us uh, for, for our call, for our lives, for the ministry. Um, but I hope that that speaks to your heart as well for this upcoming year. And the, the verse that he, he gave me on this was Philippians 3.14. You all have probably heard it before, but it says, I do not count myself to have apprehended. So he says, I don't I don't say I figured it all out yet, <laughs> but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. Abandon, again, surrender, I leave in the past, I let go of, the, of those things, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. And um, so again, we, we press in, we reclaim, we press on toward the prize of the call uh, of God in Christ Jesus, it says. And so, you know, again, our end goal is Christ Jesus and to proclaim his name and to really just receive the reward from him for, for being obedient to follow him. So in this new year, we, since this transition, we'd really like you to, to pray into that with us. Yeah, you can pray for us. Uh, the first goal is to get a local pastor, a, a French pastor, to be able to put over this church here. Yes. Uh, and then the second is to find the right base for us, French base. Uh, yeah. Our vision is still to help get churches going in the towns and villages yeah. of France. <laughs> um, but then, uh, so pray for us, you know, for wisdom in, in, in making those steps, uh, putting a pastor here, uh, choosing uh, the next place to, we're to base out of. But then also, uh, God's beginning to open some doors to work with some other ministries yes. uh, in France and Europe and some other French-speaking parts of the world. So we're excited about that. More details to come in yeah. the future, but just pray into that with us. Agree with us just for wisdom, that our steps would be ordered, and that we yeah. would know the, the plan of God as we take steps this year. Um, but anyway, there's exciting things on the horizon. And, and so we just want you to be in agreement with us about those things. And then also in order to, to receive those things, we really need to see an increase in some of our yeah. finances once again. Um, but, but so we can reach more people with the gospel. Yeah. So we looked at it and it's going to take about another $3,000 per month in support. Uh, so that's what we're believing God for. That's what our faith is on. So you can trust God with us. Yes. Uh, if you'd like to pray about maybe increasing your partnership, we have lots of partners all over the world that have been have been so faithful, but yeah. maybe you'd like to increase. Maybe you'd like to share this video and share what we're doing with some people that you know, a, yeah. a church group or, or friends, family, um, whatever, uh, along those lines too. You know, $3,000 per month is not that much. One person could sow 3000 a month. One person can write a check for 36000 for the year. <laughs> or 300 people could give $10 a month. However right. it comes, we trust God. We know that He is our source. Yes. We just ask you to be in agreement with us uh, for that. But He's been faithful all along. Yeah. Ten years now we've and been on we the mission know, field. know that. Yes, we celebrate ten years on the mission field this year. Uh, 25 years in ministry this year. So we'll be sharing some more about that this year as well. And we're just so grateful for the ones who've helped keep us uh, doing the will of God and, and following Him all these years. So thank you so much for your partnership. Uh, again, we, we say we could not do, do what, what we do. do without people like you. So, merci I gotta tell you a funny story about that picture there. My wife loves doors and like old, like like uh, uh, window shutters and stuff like that. So anytime we're out somewhere in France, she loves to get, you know take a picture, something like that. And so we were walking around Paris. We had we had preached in Paris, and we were uh, walking around looking for somewhere to take a picture, you know, family photo. And uh, I, I spotted that red door. I said, "What about that red door? Let's go over there." And Kara said, "Oh yeah, that looks really good." So we go over there, and we're standing around trying to get adjusted for the selfie. And the owners come out. <laughs> they come walking out. It's on the street, you know. I mean, it's in a, uh, it's in the city. It's not like just you know driving up to your house. 
house and standing out front. And so they came out and I said, oh, we said, and they, had, they were carrying a cat with them. And they said, uh, they just looked at us like crazy tourists. And I said, oh, we just like your door. Can we take a picture? And they said, yeah, I guess, and walked off. Anytime I see that picture, I think of that. But you see there, my, uh, my three wonderful boys, I have a 17, a 13, and a five-year-old. The five-year-old was born in England. Uh, he was born after the last time I was here. So I tell people I'm 46 and having a five-year-old at 46 is like having a grandchild that never leaves. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> we spread them out a little bit. But uh, anyway, my oldest son is in boarding school in Germany. Uh, doing really well, uh, doing really well there. That's an American school that was designed for missionaries. It was started right after World War II. Uh, so there's missionary kids from all over the world that come there to the school, and it's all in English, uh, and it's done really well. Um, so anyway, uh, let me go over a couple more things, kind of uh, just about the about the uh, the ministry. I've got out in the table, uh, I've got an information and book table out there. Uh, the the video referenced the the book that Kara wrote, the first book that she wrote that we had with us. Um, I mentioned earlier doing a seminar here. We do a soul winning seminar uh, on the simplicity of sharing your faith with others. Uh, it's a, and so as we be, as we were pastoring in the states and as we began to travel, we realized that most people have overcomplicated sharing the gospel. And so the, God gave Kara some very simple principles uh, on, on how to share your faith effectively, and you can use it with any method of evangelism you want to use. Uh, it's principles that can be used um, just, you know, with just daily uh, relational evangelism, or if you want to go door-to-door, if you want to go, uh, you know, go out. To, we've done it all. all, all of these different uh, methods of evangelism we've done, and they've, this works for them. So we've got those books out there for $5. Uh, you can pick up one of those. Also, uh, through our missionary journey, when we began, uh, my wife has always journaled, and so she She's, you know, uh, journaled things and kept up with things. And so about three years ago, maybe four years ago, uh, God told her to write a devotional, a 31-day devotional. And he said, use your journal entries from missions. And so a lot of that, kind of our stories and, you know, testimonies and things that have happened through the years uh, are, are kind of journaled in that, uh, in that testimony, uh, uh, in that uh, devotional book. So you can pick up one of those. We've got those. They're both on discount. Uh, those are $10 out there. Uh, if you'd like to follow us uh, on Facebook, I know, uh, remind me your name. I just forgot it. Kimber and your husband? Latasha. Oh, okay. All right. I saw this brother again. I remembered him from being here before, and he said, hey, I've been following you on Facebook. Facebook.com slash sallyministries.org. Uh, that's that's our, our thing on there. You can go on there and like us. Uh, you can comment. You can engage with us and see, you know, kind of what we're doing, where we are in the world, um, what's going on with us. We share a lot of stuff on there. Uh, so please go on and like us uh, on, on Facebook. You can sign up for our newsletter list. We do an email newsletter about once a month. Uh, we send out prayer requests. We send out testimonies. We send out, you know, updates and things that are going on with the ministry. Uh, if you'd like to partner with us financially, we say for as little as $10 a month, you can help feed hungry children in France. Mine, my boys, they eat all the time. I have three boys and they eat a lot. Um, and uh, we've got business cards out there. We've got little partner cards you can take and put on your refrigerator and just remember to pray for us uh, when you think about us. Um, as we said, we, you know, we could not do what we do without partners and without people like you. So thank you so much for praying for us. Thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. And along those lines, I have a little gift for your pastors this morning. I have uh, some... Uh, for, sorry, in fact, take out of the wrapper. Uh, I got a uh, chocolate here for Miss Kelly, some, some French chocolate. And I've got, I don't know which one of you guys like this. This is the flower, the mountain flower. And I just forgot the name of it. It's, um, I'll think of it here in a little bit and I'll tell you. Mountain flower, they grow up in the mountains. You can see them when you grow up in the mountains in the Alps. In uh, that video behind us was, um, was the, that was the Alps. That was the beginning of them uh, where you can see them there. And so 
I'll think of that. Edelweiss. Edelweiss. There you go. Edelweiss. That's what it is. Look it up later. Okay. All right. So thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. I always say I could talk any, day, any time of day, and it's much you know, nicer to talk when people are here to listen. So anyway, let's do this real quick as we kind of shift gears. That's, my, that's kind of presenting us and presenting the ministry. Uh, normally when my wife is here, she does this, and, so, uh, and then I, she'll exhort, and then I'll uh, stand up and preach. But just again, let's just stop by and see me at the table back there. I can answer any questions. Well, I can try. I can tell you if I don't know. <laughs> if I don't know the answer, but uh, you can find out more about us and pick up one of the books. It'll be a blessing to you. Um, so let's just stand up. Let's stand up as we kind of switch gears here. We've been sitting for a little bit. You've been listening to presentation. But, you know, when you receive the word, when someone's preaching the word, that's not a time to spectate. That's a time to participate. Amen? Uh, as a preacher, I can tell you, you know, I can be up here and, 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 and be brave bringing a word or your pastor can be here bringing a word, but if you're not participating, you're going to go out of here and not receive anything. You ever been in a service and you come out and you go, man, that was awesome. And some other guy was like, well, I had a good nap, you know? Well, it's like, well, what's the difference? They, they both listened to the same message. One participated and one spectated. Amen? And so we want to participate this morning because God's got something in store for you. He sent me all the way from France to bring a message here for you this morning. Amen? But you won't get it if you're not looking for it. You won't get it if you're not participating. Amen? All right, so let's, let's pray. Father, we just, we come humbly to your word right now. Father, we come hungry. We come expecting to receive exactly what you have in store for us this morning, for every single person. I thank you, Lord God, that you open our eyes, that we'd see wondrous things from your law. You open our ears, that we would hear what your word would say unto us this morning. I thank you, Father God, for your Holy Spirit bringing revelation to every single person here this morning or who's watching later or watching online. Father, that you speak to them exactly exactly what you'd have for them to, to hear, and you'd give revelation of exactly what you'd have for them to see this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, we come hungry this morning, ready to receive, ready to receive the meat of the word, the milk of the word, the water of the word, the bread of the word, Father, the bread of life this morning. We want to receive in the name of Jesus, and we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Let's, let's go to, uh, yeah, let's start here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. What I'm going to talk to you about this morning is, is transformation or being transformed. You know, my first time here, I want to say it was anywhere between five and seven years ago. I'd have to go back and look to, to be exact. So the first time that I was here, since I've been here last, my life has been transformed. There's a lot of things that have been transformed about me. You know, I, I recently was, um, this past week, was able to spend some time with some uh, very old dear friends of mine. We've been friends since high school. Uh, really, uh, two of these guys are the reason that I'm standing here today. Um, you know, I, I was raised in a, uh, in a church. Uh, I was raised in, um, you know, in, a, in a, a small town in Louisiana. And I was born again when I was 13, but I never could live the life until I was 17. And so when I was 17, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and my life was transformed. Things happened. All right? And I'm going to throw a lot of things out here. I kind of preach like a guy caught in a barbed wire fence, you know, a point here, a point there. I don't have the one, two, three. I listen to friends of mine that preach like that. I'm like, man, when I grow up, I want to preach like them, you know. But, uh, but I'm not like that. So, so we're talking about transformation. I'm going to share some of my testimony this morning, and I'm going to give you some tools that I've discovered over the years uh, that, that, that can bring about a transformation in your life if you'll apply them. Does that make sense? I'm going to give you some ingredients this morning. And, and as I was praying, as I was coming down here, because I drove over from Tulsa, 
about five and a half hour uh, drive, I was praying and going, okay, Lord, I knew I was going to talk about transformation. So I said, Lord, what, you know, what do you want me to talk about? What examples? What are we doing? Uh, what, am I, what am I doing here this morning? And the Lord was giving me an image of a car restoration. How many of you guys like to watch that? You like to watch them take old cars and they'll pull them out of a ditch, you know, pull them out of some, uh, they'll pull them out of a shed or they'll pull them out of the, you know, a field and they'll take them in and they'll, they'll restore them, they'll transform them. And where something that was junk has now been transformed and they'll sell it for anywhere from 50000 and up. And, and you watch that, but, you know, when they pull it out of the field, it doesn't sell for 50000 When they pull it out of the field, depending on what it is and how old it is and how rare it is, they'll pay anywhere from a few hundred to maybe a few thousand. But then the transformation takes place in this, in this vehicle. Does that make sense? There's a transformation. See, you and I, there's a transformation. There's many transformations that take place in us. But think about this car. Think about we pull this car out of here. We'll use one of my favorites, a 67 Camaro. How many of you guys like 67 Camaro? I was in Geneva one time, and I walked out of the church, and there was one right there. I said, God, you can get me this anywhere. That's my dream car. You could get me this anywhere in the world. You could bring one all the way over here to Geneva. Um, So anyway, so somebody goes out in a field. They find a 67 Camaro that's been sitting out there for 30, 40 years. Rusted. I mean, it's had animals living in the interior. The engine's just a block. There's no heads. There's no, uh, there's, you know, maybe an old carburetor, maybe an old intake. There's some parts laying there. Picture this in your mind. When we pull it out of that shed, when we pull it out of that field, it, it doesn't look like $50,000, does it? Looks like a lot of work. <laughs> Looks like a lot of work. But they pull it out of there. Now, there's not just one thing they'll work on. Imagine pulling that car out of there and putting a big engine in there but not doing anything about the exterior or the interior or anything else. Well, you just, you've got a nice engine that can produce a lot of horsepower, but it does you no good. Does that make sense? See, there's other things, that, there's other transformations that have to take place. When I was 13 years old, I was born again. Uh, this is the first transformation that us, when we go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son, that's the first transformation in every believer is being born again. We must be born again. Jesus told Uh, Nicodemus that came to him, he said, you must be born again. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Nicodemus didn't understand it. Uh, Later on, he went on to to receive salvation, be born again. So every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of the planet, salvation is available to them. The first transformation, they can get born again. That's kind of like, again, putting the big engine in there. If I'm getting a 67 Camaro, I want something that'll just squeal the tires if you just think about touching the accelerator. That's what I want. Yeah, I don't care about gas mileage at that point. All right, so we put it, we pull it out of the, pull it out of the field. We put an engine in there now, but we still got to do some other transformations, because an engine can't go if it doesn't have fuel and air. An internal combustion engine has got to have fuel and air in order to run. Right? It won't run without it. So you can have a big old beautiful engine sitting there with no fuel and no air, and it's going nowhere. All right? So we, we pull that out. So I, tr- I had this big, beautiful engine on the inside of me for four years, but I never could make it run because I didn't have the power. Jesus told the disciples when he was lifted up, uh, he, was, he, was, uh, uh, he was taken up into heaven there in Acts 1. He said, don't go anywhere. I'm going to put it in Louisiana and, you know, South Arkansas. Don't go nowhere. Don't do nothing until you receive this power from on high. He said, don't go anywhere. So at 17, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, transformed my life from that point on, right? So now we've got this car. Now we've got a big engine in it. Now we've got a big intake and a big fuel delivery and big blower on it. I mean, we're getting air and fuel, baby. This thing's ready to go, but it's still sitting in a car that got pulled out of the field. Still not worth $50,000. All it's worth is the engine. Does that make sense? 
So, so, so again, now transformation needs to take place in my life. Things need to happen in my life <clears throat> over the next several years. As I prayed in other tongues, I went to Bible school. I followed God's plan for my life. God began to do things in my life. But I hit a point, kind of like imagine, let's take our 67 Camaro. Let's say it was restored a little bit, but then somebody had an accident in it. Does that make sense? Now it's got to be, it's got to be transformed again. It's all banged up, so we got to take it in. We got to straighten it out. We got to straighten the frame. That's what happened to me back in 1999. I had, the, I was in the lowest point of my life, January the first, 1999, the lowest time ever in my life. I, I didn't at that time want to own a gun because I, I was afraid I might get depressed and kill myself. Within two years, I went through a transformation that within two years, I was in full-time ministry, uh, married, starting my life together with my, with my, uh, with, you know, Kara, and, and on this journey here. There was a transformation that took place. That transformation took place, and it was the credit to my local church, being involved in a local church. When I began to be in the church that I was supposed to be in, when I began to serve in that church, and that's a whole other message, I don't have time, but I'm just going to kind of throw this out there to you. You need to be, if God has called you and placed you in this church, you need to be in this church every possibility you can, every time you possibly can. Why? Not because of religion, not because you're earning something, because there's things here that you need that you'll only get here. That transformation took place in my life. It came through my pastor. It, it didn't come through a relationship with him, but it came from sitting in the service, and then it came from serving when God asked me to serve. If I had time, I'd tell you more about it. I hope to do some videos soon where I can kind of share more of this testimony. But that's what happened. It, you know, I, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine yesterday on the way here. I said, you know, it's been sad this last season. So many people have thought they could either stay out of church or stay home. You know, you get a good Christian and only come twice a week. I said, well, that's like eating half meals. That's like every other day eating food. Every other day, if you fast every other day, for a while you lose some weight. And, you, you know, you'll, you'll get healthy. But eventually, you're not taking in enough calories, especially if you're, if you're really active. Eventually, you'll die. You know what I'm saying? Think about that. It's just as important as that. Being here, there's things that God's going to get to you, but he'll only get to you through your pastor. I've been doing this for 25 years, guys. I've seen it, and I've watched, and I've seen people that what's been holding them back, what's been keeping them back from God is because they wouldn't plug into a local church. One of those four friends of mine that in, uh, in 93, we all came to God together. We all went to Bible school together. One is pastoring a church in Oklahoma. I'm a missionary. My other friend is, is really hooked up in his church and in the ministry of helps. He serves great, all three strong Christian guys. But one of those guys fell away from God. He's been out of church. He's been away from God the last 20 years. And I told him, he, he's just recently come back to God. And I said, man, you need to get in a good local church and you need to serve as quickly as they will allow you to. And I shared my testimony. I said, there was a transformation that took place in my life. Like I said, going from suicidal to full-time ministry within two years, and it came about being plugged into a local church and serving. There's things that take place in you. And again, I don't have time to talk about it today, but there's things that take place in you. Just, I dare you to try it. I dare you to say for six months, I'm going to serve in any position that I can. I'm going to do anything that I can to help this church and come back and tell me six months later, if, it's, if you've not seen a change in your life, I promise you it will. It'll change. It'll, there'll be a transformation. All right. But what I want to talk about today, the transformation I want to talk about today is a transformation I've gone through in the last two years. Now, I've been in ministry, like I said, uh, 25 years. I've been walking with God for 29 years. Uh, this April 19th, 1993 will be uh, 29 years that I've walked solid with God. I've been born again longer than that, but really I kind of count my beginning is when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, when I began to really walk with God and continue to. 
And, and so, so, so during this time, there's been things that I've struggled with and I've dealt with over the years, some for 42 years, some for the last 17 years, things that I've struggled with that I've tried to, 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 to break free of, I've tried to be able to lay aside, and I've done everything. I mean, I've, I've, I've bound and I've loosed and I've cast out and I've, I've, I've prayed, I've prayed in tongues, I've prayed, uh, I've listened to preaching, I've listened to, I've served in the church, I've, uh, I've done all of these things, and there's only been two moments of clarity really in my whole walk with God where, where, where I, I was clear from these things and the way I've described it to people it's kind of like you know imagine if you're outside your office if you're eight hours a day you're working and they're doing construction outside your office for 40 years and there's a jackhammer <laughs> for 40 years or 17 years and you listen to this and one day the jackhammer stops it would take you a little bit to go what's different you know what I'm saying? It would take you a little bit to go because you had grown so accustomed to the noise. You had grown so accustomed to the distraction. You know, when people came into your office, they would go, how do you get any work done with, with all that noise? And you're like, what noise? You know, you had grown accustomed to it. That's the way I had grown accustomed to these things. And, 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 and it was, it, I realize now how much it held me back, but there was a transformation that was available to me. I said this the other day, and basically the transformation is the word of God. There's a transformation that took place in the last two years of my life with the Word of God. And I was thinking about this the other day. I was, I was talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, you transformed my life when I was 17 by filling me with the Holy Spirit. I, it sounds weird to say it like this, but I, I initiated the transformation in my life the last two years by filling myself with the Word. See, I, I'm talking about, I'm talking, whoa, good Lord. Talking to you about four transformations that's taken place in my life. One was when I got born again. Oh, that was God done. Does that make sense? I call out to God. He saved me. All right? 17, again, here's a second transformation. I call out to God. He fills me with his Holy Spirit. Now, I initiate praying in tongues. I edify myself. I build myself up on the most holy faith. I speak out divine mysteries by praying in other tongues. But see, God does the filling. Does that make sense? He fills me with the Holy Ghost. You can try to speak in tongues without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and it doesn't work. You'll actually, you could get a devil. But anyway, if you're trying that. But, but no, see, God did this, but then I initiated this the last two years when I discovered some of these things. Does that make sense? It's like, you know, when you're a kid, mom fixes. You know, my five-year-old, my wife and I, we fix food for the five-year-old. The 17-year-old, when he says he's hungry, we say, well, go get it. The 13-year-old, go get it. You know, the five-year-old were just, he's the baby, and so we're kind of, oh, I'll fix it. I'll get you a sandwich, you know. The other two at five, we'd be like, oh, fix it yourself, you know. But with the baby, you're like, oh, I'll fix it for you, you know. But we're, I'm, I'm starting to, I, what I'd make him do is i make him get all the stuff out. I'll fix your oatmeal in the morning, but you go get all the stuff out, and then I'll fix it for you, okay. And uh, you, you see, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. It's God says, all right, you're, you're, you're born again. Now you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Now it's up to you to pray in other tongues. But now it's up to you to fill your life with the Word of God. And see, again, I thought I was, I, I, I thought, well, actually, I thought a lot of things that, that I've been able to find clarity on the last two years and see a transformation that's, that's changed in my life to see there's no longer any fighting. Does that make sense? It's almost kind of like you ever watch the movie The Matrix, and there's, this, there's a scene where Neo just like realizes everything and he stops all these bullets. That's kind of the way it was. I would be running, because uh, I like to run long distances, and I'd be out running, and I would, all of a sudden, again, it's like, it's like that jackhammer noise has stopped. I've been like, wow, I didn't, I didn't have any anxiety. One of the things I struggled with the last 17 years was anxiety. All the changes and all the transitions and all the new things and all the stuff we've gone through that God's led us, led us through, anxiety got on me several years ago. And uh, I'd be out running, and I'd go, I haven't had an anxious thought. What happened? Where did, it, where did they all go? I, I tried everything to get rid of them before and, and nothing ever seemed to stick. 
But where did they all go? All right, well, let's look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read verse 12 to 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened, for until this very day, at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because it is removed, um, because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord, of the, the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. There's that word, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. My first, the first meeting that I had when I landed in the States two weeks ago, two weeks ago Monday, I preached in Spring Hill, Louisiana. And after the, after the message, the pastor introduced me to a young man who's his youth pastor, and he said, this, this kid has an amazing testimony. He was adopted from Russia at the age of seven. Now, if you look at this kid, he looks like a kid from Spring Hill. I mean, he's a kid. He's 22. To me, he's a kid. So he's, he's got a wife and a new, and a new baby. But he's, he looks just like a guy from Spring Hill, Louisiana. He talks just like a guy from Spring Hill, Louisiana. Talks like a redneck. Talks like me. Doesn't speak. I said, do you speak Russian? He said, no. He said, I, he said, I lost it all because, you know, he was, tra- he's, he was taken out of there. As I began to preach this message last, uh, last Sunday down in Louisiana, down in uh, Shadow, Louisiana, I, I began to realize, and the Lord showed me, this kid was taken. He was, he was born Russian. His parents were Russian. He was born in Russia, raised the first six years of his life in Russia, but then he was taken out and he was put See, into a different place. He was put into a different place in Spring Hill, Louisiana. That's where he's been for the last 16, 17 years. Now, he doesn't look Russian, doesn't sound Russian. He's not wearing a big, you know, fur hat and fighting bears and drinking vodka. He's living in Louisiana. He's eating crawfish. You know what I'm saying? So he's changed. How does he change? By beholding the image of his mother and father. By looking intently at them and studying them and becoming like them. See, you and I are called to be, in the, to be made, transformed in the image of Jesus. But see, that transformation doesn't happen just overnight. That, we're, man is a three-part being. I don't have time to get into this, but we are a spirit. That's the real us. Paul makes reference to the inner man. That's the spirit of God. We have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, all right? Those are the two parts that are eternal. And we have a body. We live in our body. That, that's the outer part. So when we're born again, our spirit is recreated, all right? Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at this word transformation again. When we're born again, we're, we're recreated on the inside, on the inside of us. When I was born again at 13, I was recreated. Again, it's kind of like having that new, that new engine. That new, uh, that new engine is there. That was put in there again, but I didn't have any power yet. So, so, so when we're born again, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit moves inside of our spirit, gives us the, the gift of speaking in other tongues, that we can pray out divine mysteries, we can edify ourselves, we can access the supernatural. Um, there's things that happen, but, but then there's, there's another transformation. See, nothing happens out, outwardly. When I was born again, I didn't get taller suddenly. You know, I'm 5'9". I recently found out, I thought my whole life I was the same height as my dad. I thought he was 5'9". I recently found out he is 5'10". I'm the shortest in my family other than my mom. My brother got the height. He's like six foot or 6'1 or something. But I got the looks, so I put it that way. You know, I'm, I'm the better looking of the two. But anyway, 
I didn't change outwardly. I didn't grow an inch or six inches. I'd have been awesome. You know, get born again and grow. Hey, I can play basketball now, you know? That, that didn't happen. It was an inward transformation. Does that make sense? That happens inwardly. That's the part that God does inwardly. But now we've got to get that on the outside. You know, I can take that car out of the, I can take it out of the, 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 the yard, I can take it out of the field, and I can put an engine in it, but if I don't do something to the outside, nobody's going to want to pay fifty to sixty to $100,000 for it, are they? No, we've got to get the rust out of there. We've got to get the, all the animal stuff out of the inside of that car. We've got to put a new interior in it. We've got to put new glass in it. We've got to put new tires on it. We've got to put a new rear in it. We've got to put a transmission. There's a lot more to do to it. And see, a lot of times we as Christians, we get born again, and the only thing we know about is that and we just say, all right, I'm saved. Now I have a relationship with God. Now I just hold on until Jesus comes or I die. You know what I'm saying? It's like holding on to that engine. Man, you got a nice engine, but you ain't going nowhere. You can't give anybody a ride in that, in, on that engine. Y'all stand over there. Hold on. You know, it's not going anywhere. It's got to be put together. And, and so, uh, so Romans, here we go. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, there's a transformation that takes place when we renew our mind. When we take on the new, see this, renewing, we renew our mind with the word of God. You know, again, when, when somebody is, is, is restoring a car, when they're saving a car, see, sometimes we hear that word save or salvation, and we only use it in one context, all right? But think about when we're saving a car from a, from a field, there's a lot of things that we have to do to it. There's a lot of different things. See, we're being transformed, you and I, by the renewing of our mind. Because our mind has, has old ways of thinking. Our mind has old ways. You can look at the contrast in Galatians chapter 5 when, when Paul uh, shows the contrast between the works of the flesh, that's the body or our mind, and then the works of the spirit, the new things. You know, the, the spirit loves, the flesh hates. The, 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 the spirit is patient, the flesh, not so much. <laughs> you know, the, there's things that happen, but it has to be a transformation process. It doesn't happen automatic. Does that make sense? We've got to get those things on the outside. So what I began to discover this last year, and we're going to, we'll close soon or sometime. In James chapter 1, you can turn there and we'll, we'll close there and, uh, sometime before 2 o'clock. Um, but uh, so this transformation. So what began to happen to me the last couple of years, what I began to realize back during the first, we had a, the first lockdown. We had three lockdowns in, in uh, France where I live. First lockdown, we could only go a kilometer outside of our home. And uh, I live in the country. So if you go a kilometer outside of my house, you're going to be in the, in the woods, you know. And uh, I'm not in Paris. But anyway, in that first, during that first lockdown, I began to, just in the night, if I would wake up in the night, instead of reading a, a book, I began to read books a few years ago to try to get myself back to sleep. My mind will start racing, you know, in the night. And so I began to just read my Bible, just reading the Old Testament. And I began to see, when I began to read four or five chapters, that, again, a lot of thoughts, a lot of stuff that I dealt with for some, some all my life just kind of quit. And I began to go, man, there's, I think there's something to this. I think there's something to this. I was enacting these principles and didn't know that I was enacting them. James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted. The King James says engrafted, which is able to save your souls. Now, that word save, again, a lot of times we use a word just one way. In learning a new language, as I've learned French, I've learned that we have what's called uh, faux ami. You have a word that we recognize in English, but it has a different meaning in French. For instance, the word pain. You know the word pain, P-A-I-N. 
In French, that means bread. So we, they say it differently. They say pain. So, uh, voulez-vous le, le pain? Do you want some bread? But if I say in English, do you want some pain? Not really. Not going to order that. Don't bring me a basket of pain to start my meal off with. You know what I'm saying? Dude comes out with a hammer and hits you on the hand, you know? It's a foes on me. It's a different word. Sometimes there's words that's, that have different meanings. I'll give you this. As a world traveler, I'll tell you this. When you go to Europe and you need to use the facilities, you don't ask for the bathroom or the restroom, okay? Because that's where they bathe. They use the toilet. Now, in English, toilet has a little bit more of a vulgar term, but that's the word you want to use over there, okay? Talked to the guy the other day, and he said he asked somebody in French one time, where's the bathroom? And he said, over at my house. And the guy was like, well, okay, where's the toilet? It's right over there. <laughs> Two different things, all right? So we, we have words that mean different things, and sometimes we take this word save, and, and we just think of my context growing up as a, a, in a church that just preached eternal life, eternal salvation in heaven. That's all I use that word for. But here, I just used that word a while ago talking about saving a car, See, when we use that word, saving also has the connotation of restoration, of, of rebuilding, of saving it. Does that make sense? So, so think about that when we read this. He says, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Now again, remember, we're three parts. We are spirit, soul, and body. So it says, the word is able to save my soul. The word is able to restore my soul. All right, so we restore ourselves with the word of God. You know, if you take a car, if we take a car out of, that, out of that field, it's been in a field in Louisiana for 40 years, it's going to have rust, it's going to have animals, it's going to have all kind of stuff. If you take the same car that's been sitting in a garage in Phoenix, Arizona, where there's no humidity for 40 years, it won't need as much restoration. Does that make sense? It won't need as much transformation. I was watching one show and they found a car like that and they just like tore it up and I just was so mad. I quit watching that show. So I'm like, all that car needed was tires. That's all y'all had to do to that car. And y'all didn't, anyway, that's a whole other thing. Some of us, like me, some of us need some more transformation. We need some more restoration. So what do we do? We increase the word intake. Does that make sense? We increase the word intake. As I've discovered some of these, all right, let's finish up here. Uh, it says, all right, so receive with meekness the, in humility. Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves. Be doers of the word. Doers of the word, not just hearers only. What that means is when I see something in the word, it's kind of like looking at that mirror. You know, I shaved last night. I shaved with a straight razor. When you shave with a straight razor, you've got to be careful. You know, you don't want any kids running up and giving you a hug while you've got a, a, a razor at your throat. But when I shave, what do I do? I, I, don't, I look in the mirror. Does that make sense? I don't just, you know, just go for memory. All right, I think my beard stops about here. You know, I think up here. No, you look in the mirror. And what I do when I'm done, I wipe the, wipe the shaving cream off, and then I look. Oh, I missed a spot here. I need to go, I'll go back over there. See, when I see something in the Word, the Word says, love is patient. And I go, oh, I wasn't very patient yesterday. Guess what? I got to change. I got to be a doer of the Word. Does that make sense? See, the, the Word shows us, hey, this is the image of Christ. You want to be transformed from a Russian kid to a kid from Camden, Arkansas. You don't look at Russian kids anymore. You don't look at your Russian mother and father. You look at your mother and father here. You look at them. You look at their life. We want to be transformed. We, want to, we don't want to be like our old father, the devil. We want to be like our new father. We want to be like Jesus. So we look at his word. We look intently, as we're going to see here in just a second. We look intently into this law. So it's verse, uh, verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror, and for once he has looked at himself, has gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently, intently into the perfect law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. 
And you don't have to turn there. I'm going to quote this, but 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The pure milk of the word is what we can grow by. You know, I could eat a, a donut, and it's got milk in it, but it doesn't give me the same nourishment. Does that make sense? As milk. And you think about this. I was thinking about this back to my three babies. None of the three kids that we had ever were just like really calm when they were infants and it was time to eat. You know what I'm saying? They were not like, well, mom, you know, I would take some milk, you know, if, if it's not too much trouble. You know, no, they were fussy and cranky and like this just, you know, you, as a parent, you begin to recognize, well, that's, that's a cranky cry. You know, that, that one's got something in his diaper. You know, <laughs> you begin to see these things. There's a, there's a hunger for it. We, you and I have got to be hungry for the word of God. We've got to put the word of God first place to receive it and to do it if we want to be transformed. Amen. And I can testify to you. I can stand before you here and testify over the last two years as I've done this, if I've increased, I'll just tell you what I do is I read anywhere from nine to 20 chapters every day. I found a Bible reading system that I'd be glad to share with you. If you want to message me on Facebook or something, I'll share it with you. It's super simple. But when, on days when I go away by myself, when I have a, a prayer retreat, I'll read 30 chapters. And a lot of times I'll read, like if I have an anxious thought or anxiety, or I, the other day I went through a thing in, the state, in France where they confiscated my car, and I could see it coming. Now, old Brian, up until two years ago, man, I'd have been freaking out and just like, and just, just, I mean, just, just shaking almost with anxiety. But I just said, that's all right. You can take my car. That's fine. And uh, they said, we're going to charge you. That's fine. Here's the car. Just pay for it. What I was doing, they didn't know. I was sitting there reading my Bible on my tablet. I sat there and read about seven chapters while they're, while they're doing this. What am I doing? I'm transforming. I'm renewing. There's anxiety that's trying to come back. And I'm saying, no, 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 I'm not having that anymore. I'm not having that anymore. So what, I transformed it. I transformed those things. Amen. And you can do the same exact thing. I, I've, shared this, I've shared this with friends of mine, dear friends, and, and they've begun to do these things too and begun to see the difference it makes. And we've both asked the same thing. Could it have been so simple? Was it this simple all along? I mean, I've with tears in my eyes as I've looked at the change that's taken place in my life the last two years. And I've said, Lord, could it really be this simple? And the Lord said, yeah, it really has been. So I want to encourage you today. I want to ask everybody to stand up. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pray and I'm going to close as close to 12 as I could. Um, but uh, I promise you I won't preach this long here next week because <laughs> I'll be in Oklahoma preaching. Uh, but uh, let me just, let me, let me pray for you. And I want to invite you this morning. If you want a transformation, if you want to be transformed this morning, now, the renewing of your mind, that takes time. Yeah, that's something you've got to do. But if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the beginning transformation. You know, we read a while ago that, that those that have received Christ, they, can, they have an understanding of the word that those that have not don't. The Jews, they read the law and they read things, but they don't, they've not received Christ, so they don't understand it. Does that make sense? Like if I, show, if I give you my French Bible, if you don't read French, you won't understand it. But if you have the French understanding, then you can, does that make sense? So the first thing to do is receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. Then the second transformation is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can do those two things this morning. I can pray with you right now to get you filled with the Holy Ghost, and it'll be up to you then to pray in other tongues, to edify yourself, to build yourself up. All right, the third thing is if, you, if you've walked with God at some point, but you've been away from God and you want to rededicate, you want to come back, you don't get born again again, but you, you rededicate yourself to God and, and allow God to do a transformation in your life in the, in the coming times, I'd love to pray with you this morning. All right, so let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the privilege of being here in Camden, Arkansas and, and sharing the good news with these people, the transformation that's available for them at whatever point they're at in their lives, Father. 
I thank you, Lord God, that the things of God never grow dim. We never grow tired of those things. There's never, you never run out of things, Father, to amaze us. Oh, your love is unsearchable, unfathomable, Father. It must be experienced in order to begin to comprehend it. And so, Father God, I just pray this morning. I pray this morning if there's anybody here that needs to be saved, they need to be rededicated, they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost this morning, that they would be bold and, and step and take that step and receive transformation in their lives this morning, Father, in Jesus' name.